Welcome to Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart. This week, we will explore the journey of Dr. Sean Cruzen. Sean is a fellow colleague here at Columbus State University. He serves as the Executive Director of the Coca-Cola Space Science Center and is a professor in the Department of Earth and Space Sciences. Sean holds a PhD in physics from UNLV. The afternoon I spoke with Sean in February of 2022, he had just finished greeting Georgia U.S. Senator Ossoff, who was visiting the Coca-Cola Space Science Center that day. And uh, he did a he did a press conference where he was announcing some funding for a partnership between us and Muskogee County. Us space science Hall. Yeah. So so it was good. It was it was a good event and a really nice event for the robotics program at CSU. They got heavily featured. So that was nice. That's great. Great, great, great. You've you've been the director how long now? 16, 17 years? Yeah. So I yeah, how long is it? 16. Yeah. So it was in uh, 2004 I took over as interim director. So so yeah, I guess it's 17 years coming up, coming up on 17 years since I was made permanent director. On this episode, we will hear Sean's stories about becoming interested in the sciences and more specifically space science, as well as his journey to pursue physics and space science as a career path. On the following two episodes, we will hear Sean's stories about the importance of providing regional access to space science and robotics experiences, programs of study, and even career paths in West Central Georgia. Also, we will hear Sean discuss the growth and achievements at the Coca-Cola Space Science Center over the past 25 years that make the experiences they offer so increasingly impactful and meaningful to learners of all ages. When I spoke with Sean, I was interested to learn what sparked his interest and eventual graduate-level studies of physics and astronomy. I came to learn that Sean's path was non-traditional, but nonetheless inspiring. What got you so interested in space science and physics and things like that in the first place? Because from what I can tell, just being new to the community and bringing in my students over recently, the Space Science Center is going to inspire a lot of learners to pursue the sciences, not just space science, but hopefully space science, but a lot of things. And so I'd love to know kind of what did that for you as a young person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a fun question because I have an interesting answer. Okay. <laughs> so I like questions that lead me toward an interesting answer. And this is one <laughs> of those. That's good. Um, you know, the, the, the thing I like to tell people about the Space Science Center here is that when when school children come in and visit us here at Space Science Center, we know that we don't have them for enough time to teach them all the science that they need to know. They need to know a lot more science than they're going to learn here at Space Science Center. Right. But we have them for a moment in time to capture their imagination. And that's really what what I try to lead our team to think about every time we engage with a group of students is that somewhere out there in that group, there's somebody whose imagination is going to be fired up on this subject for the first time. And, and the reason that's applicable to this question is because that's what happened to me. Okay. So, so I can, I can trace back, you know, I, I, I grew up in athletics and, and interests that were not really science. I didn't have science background folks in my family. It wasn't that. It was a trip to the Denver Museum of Natural History at the time, which is now the Denver Museum of Science and Nature. Actually, they changed their name. But mm-hmm. that trip was, I'm trying to think what grade. It would have been about, it would have been about sixth grade, sixth or seventh, possibly. 
Okay. Somewhere in what we used to call, you know, the junior high, you know, kind of range of time. But anyway, so that trip sparked my imagination and it was in part in a planetarium. The first mm-hmm. time I'd ever really been in a planetarium was on that trip. And then of course they had the additional fun things, all the space stuff, but they also had dinosaurs. And when we talk about the two gateway sciences for small children, it's you know, <laughs> space and dinosaurs, right? So, so they had them both, and which which was wonderful. But uh, but yeah, that's that's what really began kind of a sojourn for me that was running in the background while I was focused on a lot of other things. Uh, another kind of experience along the way, I had a great eighth grade science teacher mm-hmm. that had a science night, and one of the things that he did that I will just simply never forget is. He set up a telescope and he pointed that thing at Saturn and I saw Saturn's rings for the first time. And that just kind of built on that other experience I'd had at the Denver museum. And I just thought at that time, this is the coolest thing ever. Mm -hmm. I'm actually seeing the rings of Saturn. And one of the fun things is that now I get to see that reaction from other people's children all the time. Right. So, so it's just been one of those things that's a recurring theme. If if there's one thing I want to show someone in the sky with a telescope, it's Saturn's rings because yeah. it's a game changer. It really is. And, and so, but yet these experiences were kind of running in the background with me. I did okay in high school science. I, I didn't really, it's not really what I was interested in necessarily at the time. I thought it was cool. I thought it was fun, but for a career, wasn't really what I was interested in. I was interested in media. Uh, my father ran a newspaper. And so I actually went to college the first time. This is this is good news for some students who might hear this. I went to college more than once. All right. So for those of you who hear this, you've dropped out. I get it. I was one of those. <laughs> and and so I went for mass communications. I did radio and television. I were I, I called sports for the local college radio station. I did a lot of that kind of stuff. And then during that time, though, that I had quit college, I didn't finish that degree. But before I came back, I got a, I got an introduction to amateur astronomy. Backyard astronomy, just looking at things with telescope. My brother-in-law had a telescope. I remembered the rings of Saturn. So I was like, I want to go see the rings of Saturn. And actually, he showed me event, an event where Saturn was passing in front of a star that mm. night. That's a weird event called an occultation. And so you could see the star kind of flicker between the rings of Saturn going by, which was just it was just an amazing thing, right? It's just yeah. a cool thing to be able to observe that. And so so that event then kind of was like, well, man, that's really great. So that that drew me to getting my own telescope, buying my own star maps. Actually, my parents gave me some for Christmas, and I really started learning the sky. I started attending amateur astronomy events at a local observatory, which was a public observatory, which was designed to get people interested in, in science. Mm-hmm. And I was volunteering there. So I was like helping show other people the sky, but I got really tired of like the other volunteers just knowing more than I did about the background physics and things. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back to college. I'm going to take a class. I'm going to take a physics class or an astronomy class. I want to catch up a little bit here. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then through that, it just kind of, well, one of my professors said, well, why don't you just take this as a degree? You could take this as a degree. I'm like, oh, really? I don't really thought about that. And so, <laughs> so it was, it was a, it was a circuitous path really that, that brought me around to, to actually academically chasing physics. I, I, I almost feel like I backed in, in some ways to this, to this degree program. I, I had intended to graduate and be a, a, a science teacher, but then one of my professors said, you know, you're actually kind of good at this. Have you thought about grad school? Well, no, I hadn't thought about grad school. <laughs> I was just trying to get through the everyday, you know, these are physics classes. They're hard. They're challenging. And I just wanted to get through those and maybe go teach or something. But he's like, yeah, no, I think you really ought to, you at least ought to put in an application for grad school. 
And then I was accepted at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And then after that, it was, I, I received a fellowship. And after that, the you know, it just kind of the, the, the wildfire spread. Right. So that's that's kind of the, the path I took. You know, some people, I think they, they move through all these steps in a very sort of uh, intentional, well thought out manner. And for me, I was just kind of, you know, backing in or blundering into the next step. And, <laughs> and here I am today. So <laughs> but 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 the way I can describe it and what I described to my own students is. I got here because of passion. Right. And the one thing I can tell them, if they're going to, if they're going to pursue a degree that's difficult like this, let your passion drive you. And if your passion's not going to drive you, go find the thing in which your passion will drive you. Really. That's, that's my, one of my most important messages. And I, I really think that I, I managed to get through a lot of the difficult coursework and just long nights and, you know, standardized exams and all the kinds of things you have to go through because I ultimately had that passion that I just loved two things to, to see things through telescopes myself. And that included Hubble at one point, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then also to show people the night sky and, and, and to, and to trigger that passion, you know, for the, for the sky and them as well. And so that, that's really why I'm here. And that's like literally what you get to do now by directing the Space Science Center here in Columbus is hopefully instill that passion, even if it can just be like, I think back to the story you told about when you were in Denver, correct? It was Denver. Yeah, Denver. And it was, I think what it sounded like you draw on, maybe even still to a degree, was how you felt that day and wanting to kind of feel that way as often as possible with the work that you get to do and the science you get to study, things like that. I, I get to watch literally every day children walk into a planetarium for the first time and have them look up and see that <laughs> sky. And, and it, it just triggers, as you said, that feeling I know I experienced as a young person yeah. of just absolute amazement. And it's not that I'd never, never seen the night sky before, but somehow when it's presented to you in that fashion, right. there's just that little extra sense of awe to it. And, and what, what it then does is it makes the real sky mean so much more. It, it's, it's an interpretation experience. When you go to a planetarium, it's an interpretation experience for you to then engage with the real nighttime sky. And it, and it lets you see it in, in a different context. And, and so that, that's, that's how, that's how it, that experience unfolded for me. And again, I, I, as you said, I get to watch that happen here every day, yeah. which is a, enormously gratifying. <laughs> That concept, like you're kind of talking about the pedagogy behind what you and your team do there is an interpretive experience. Like we can all look up at night and generally we have pretty vivid sky views here in Columbus, at least look up and see what we see. But to make it, I guess, intelligible or even, you know, when we were there with my uh, teacher education students, you told a lot of stories about here's what this means and here's how we can look at it this way. And. I think there's something to that in terms of science pedagogy. Would you agree with that? I do. I do. And so, so one of the fun things, I guess, about the stars specifically is that people have sat under starry skies and told stories mm-hmm. literally for the entire history of humanity. Right. And so so we, in a sense, are carrying on that legacy or that tradition of of human beings being in awe of the nighttime sky and telling our stories. Our stories have changed. Some of them have. Some of them are still the same, honestly. Yeah. But but our stories, are, by and large, have changed. But there's something about that experience. It's visceral. 
And, and when, when a person, you know, engages with the nighttime sky in that context, which I, I guess I called it, uh, an interpretation a while ago, they, they, they now have something to latch onto more than just, you know, the, the visual beauty, right? Oh, you walk under a starry sky. Oh yeah, that's pretty. But you walk under a starry sky and you see the Milky Way and you understand that it's a spiral arm in your own galaxy. And if you look in a certain direction, you're looking toward the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. Well, now suddenly that sky means something completely different to you, right? Or even if you engage with the with the mythology, the the ancient tales of the various star characters, and you re- you begin to recognize the patterns. Oh, there's Orion. I remember the story of Orion. He was a hunter, right? And, and so, so it gives you something like every time I walk outside this time of year, when Orion is visible right after sunset, it's like an old friend. I mean, I, I've been I've been seeing this guy in the nighttime sky now for for decades and decades. And it's, it's like seeing an old friend this time of year. And so, so it's more than just a random pattern of stars. Yes. They're beautiful. No, this is actually, that's my old friend, Orion, and he's there and his belt points the way to the bull and the dog. And so there's all this engagement that happens. And that's, as you said, takes it up another level when, when you, when you kind of own that uh, in in the storytelling sense for, for a person to have those experiences or another one that I like is, Oh, that's not a star at all. That's a planet. Right. So, oh, I see these constellations that I recognize, but there's a star that doesn't belong there. Well, that's a planet. That's Jupiter. That's Saturn. And then you kind of have this ownership. So you want to go out the next night and see where how they've moved, how things have changed, how the moon is in a different phase. Then it becomes a lifelong, every night, new experience. And it's not just like content knowledge, which some people might think about like physics and astronomy. Like, oh, it's just that you happen to know what that thing up there is called at this particular night. But it's about recognizing patterns, developing skills and really just, I guess, knowledge and awareness of the world around you. Even if it is quite far away, it's still part of our existence, I guess. And I think that that's yeah, important. And, you know, as people mark seasons with, you know, I mean, maybe maybe you have a, a certain set of plants in your backyard and, you know, they come to bloom at a certain time or right. or the leaves changing in the fall and things like that. To, to those of us who know the sky, the sky is right in there, too. Right. Oh, well, this is the time of year that Leo is up and I can see the lion or, oh, I've been watching Saturn. It's moving through a certain constellation and look how it's progressing. And, and so you you own those things as part of your daily experience, much the same way that other people would engage with other parts of nature or their surroundings. Sean talked about the sparks he experienced for space science over the years that led him to eventually pursuing it as a program of study and career path. He and his colleagues at the Coca-Cola Space Science Center create similar sparks for visitors young, old, and in between every day, including my own five-year-old daughter who visited the center this past spring and wanted to read about nothing other than the solar system and astronauts for weeks on end afterwards. In the education sector, we need to get back to these types of spark experiences across the curriculum, including and especially in the sciences and STEM. We will continue to explore Sean's narrative on the following two episodes on this podcast feed. You can learn more about the Coca-Cola Space Science Center located in Columbus, Georgia, near the River Park campus of Columbus State University by visiting their website at www.ccssc.org. You can also catch Sean each week on the Made of Stars podcast. My contact information is in the episode description. This is Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart, and thank you for listening.